pray. Lord, we need you. Oh, how we need you. We thank you that you are a God who shows up when we need you. You show up in the smile of a friend who asks, no, really, how are you? You show up in the unexpected check that comes in the mail. That is just exactly what we need. You show up in the healing that we see in Matt. We thank you for that, for hearing and answering our prayers. That's something that could have been absolutely horrible was mended. Thank you for showing up. And we pray for those who would like you to show up in their lives, who are longing for your presence and aren't really feeling it. They know that you're there. They know that we can't rely on feelings to judge your presence. But boy, do they need you to show up. We pray for your continued healing in the life of Professor Rebecca DeYoung. And as she has her final chemo treatment this week, Lord, we pray for complete and total healing. Restore her completely, we pray in Jesus' name. Restore her intellect, restore her body, restore her stamina fully. Lord, we pray protection over her and her family in this season of anxiety and worry. We pray for you to show up in the life of John Dieterle and his family. We thank you for all the ways in which you've been answering prayers, but he has so far to go. And so keep showing up and occupational therapists and rehab people who are going to help him recover what it means to move and live and think and speak. <coughs> Lord, we pray for your presence for the search committee that's making final recommendations around a vice president for student life. Lord, we thank you for our process that has yielded amazing candidates. And we pray that the person who is chosen will be one that will be a good leader for our campus and a servant for you. We thank you for Rangila. We thank you for how it points to your creativity all over the world. We thank you for the students who spent hours practicing and rehearsing and getting their costumes together so that they could teach us and delight us and serve us. We thank you. And we pray beyond this campus. We pray for our sister school. We actually pray for Hope College today. We pray for them, that that will be a place of flourishing for your kingdom. We pray that it will be a place where your name is made great. And Lord, forgive us when we're stupid. Forgive us when we're unkind. Forgive us when we're rude. For these are our brothers and sisters in Christ. And we have so much in common. And we can further your kingdom so much more together than apart. And so, Lord, we pray that you continue to make us good, humble companions on the journey with our brothers and sisters from all different colleges. We thank you for this place. We thank you for the professors, the coaches, the musical staff, the others who shape us and guide us more and more into the image of your son. And wow, we need him. And so as we go to the word now, 
and we learn about redemption. We pray, Holy Spirit, that you will guide us into all truth and break down our defenses and soften our hearts so that if there's anybody in this room for whom the gospel needs to be good news tonight, it will be the best news. Come, Lord Jesus. This world belongs to you. Amen. looking at Philippians 3 tonight. Philippians 3. That's page 955 in your pew Bibles. My Bible teacher in high school, you know, you get the letters mixed up, like which letter comes first, not in the alphabet, in the book of the Bible. And he said, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, go eat popcorn. You're welcome. <laughs> so Philippians, Philippians 9.54, the very bottom, the very last sentence there. We're going to read uh, through verse 11. This is Paul talking here. He says, if anyone else has reason to be confident in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day, a member of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew born of Hebrews, as to the law, a Pharisee, as to zeal, a persecutor of the church, as to righteousness under the law, blameless. Yet whatever gains I had, these I have come to regard as loss because of Christ. More than that, I regard everything as loss because of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for his sake I have suffered the loss of all things, and I regard them as rubbish, in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but one that comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God based on faith. I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection and the sharing of his sufferings because by becoming like him in his death, if somehow I may attain the resurrection from the dead. This is the word of the Lord. It hurts to not be good enough. It hurts to not be good enough. For the last couple of days, my Facebook feed, like many of yours, has been full of people saying, I get to be an RA. I'm going to be on this floor. It's going to be awesome. And a few days before that, it was everybody saying, I got into the nursing program, and here's a selfie of me with a letter. <laughs> and every now and then, there are things popping into my feed about, I got into this grad school, or I've gotten this job, or this cool thing has happened, or I'm going to do this for the summer. And I think about all the people who aren't posting. All the amazing people who aren't going to be RAs. The people who aren't going to be nurses. The ones who aren't saying anything about grad school because they've only heard bad news. 
it hurts to not be good enough. And you want to hide it. You want to hide the fact that you're good enough. You weren't good enough. Weren't you applying for BNRA? Uh, no. We don't want to talk about it. People who do professional career development say that if you're not chosen for something, if you don't get the job, a good question to ask the person who didn't choose you is, what can I do differently next time? How can I learn from this? What can I do better? Because the pain of not being good enough is so great, we want to avoid it at any cost. So what can I do differently next time so I can be chosen? Because I'm sure that if I just work hard enough, I can make this happen. If I get cut from the team this year, I'm going to work extra hard in the offseason. I'm going to come back gangbusters next year. Certainly, I can work harder on my grades. Certainly, I can do more push-ups. Certainly, I can run faster. Certainly, I can study harder. Certainly, I can get some therapy, work on some interpersonal skills, nail that RA interview next time. I know that if I just work harder, I can be good enough. Because it hurts to not be good enough. And this sloshes over into our relationship with God. We're pretty sure we know how to be good enough. We are in loft. It's cold outside. We made the choice to physically walk across campus or to get in a car and come here. Certainly, we are better than all the people who didn't. Certainly, those of us who practice Sabbath have a leg up on those who aren't practicing Sabbath. Certainly, those of us who are doing some sort of Bible study or we're in a prayer group or we're serving or we're volunteering, certainly we have a leg up. Certainly, we are working our way toward being good enough. Certainly, God likes our resumes better than he likes the resumes of people who don't go to loft and don't do those things and don't go to chapel and don't serve and don't give to the community care fund. I mean, when you think about us compared to a lot of other people in the world, we're doing pretty well. We're doing pretty well. But it's really not a contest between us and the other people in the world. If you were here last week, we talked about the fall. We talked about Adam and Eve's disobedience and how God in his kindness sent them out of the garden because they had so destroyed the relationship that if they stayed in the garden and they ate of the tree of life, it would be stuck that way forever. And God couldn't bear it. He didn't bear the idea of an eternity without Adam and Eve. He couldn't bear the idea of an eternity without you. And so out of his kindness, he said, no, 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 no. Because Adam, because Eve, there's nothing you can do now. The divide between a broken creation and a holy and almighty God is so great, there's nothing you can do about it. 
So when we compare ourselves to other people and think that we're doing pretty well, it's a little like having a jumping contest to see if we can touch the moon. Now, if Jordan and I were to have a jumping contest to see who would jump to the moon, Jordan would win our contest. I have no doubt about that. My vertical is not strong. <laughs> but would Jordan touch the moon? I mean, he's good, but he would not touch the moon. If LeBron James, Calvin alumni, did you know that? No, he's not. <laughs> That's why we studied the book of James last fall. It was in, never mind. <laughs> let it go, let it go. If LeBron James came, and Jordan and LeBron James had a jumping contest, LeBron would win the jumping contest. Would LeBron James touch the moon? No, he would not. Would LeBron and Jordan and myself all fall back to the earth pretty quickly. There's nothing we can do to jump to the moon. It would actually be easier for us to jump to the moon than it would be for us to make things right between a broken creation and a holy God. You can't. And this is what Paul is talking about. When he says, oh, you want to know about good enough? Let me give you my resume. Let me give you my God resume, my God-is-me. <laughs> Let me tell you about it. Hebrew of the Hebrews, circumcised on the eighth day, Israelite, zealous for the law, blameless. I got it going on, people, and you know what? It's not worth crap. And the more I look at Jesus, he says, the more I realize oh, it's not worth crap. Because nothing compares to knowing Jesus. Because Jesus is the only one who can step into the gap between a broken creation and a holy God and bring them back into the relationship only Jesus. Now theologians have talked through the years about why it is that only Jesus could do this. Why can't we do this? And to teach people about this, they put this into a catechism. When they weren't much older than you, there are a couple of theologians who got together. Their names were Casper and Zach. And they lived in this town called Heidelberg in Germany. And so they wrote this catechism to teach people why Jesus is the answer to this big question about how is this gap going to be covered. And so they put it in the catechism, and we're going to read this together. And I'm going to read uh, the questions, and then you're going to read the answers. So this is the, the Heidelberg Catechism. According to God's righteous judgment, we deserve punishment both in this world and forever after. How then can we escape this punishment and return to God's favor? Can we pay this debt ourselves? Certainly not. 
that's a sobering line, isn't it? We increase our guilt every day. How about another creature? Can any other creature pay this debt for us? Well, what kind of mediator and deliverer should we look for then? One who is truly human and truly righteous, yet more powerful than all creatures, that is, one who is also true God. Why must he be truly human and truly righteous? must he also be true God? So that, by the power of his divinity, he might bear the weight of God's anger in his humanity, and earn for us, and restore to us, righteousness and life. And who is this mediator? True God, and at the same time, truly human and truly righteous? Jesus Christ, who was given to us to set us free and make us completely right with God. Our Lord Jesus Christ, who was given to us, given to us, given to us. Please. Only Jesus. Now when we think about Jesus, we know about his sacrifice, right? We know about the sufferings, the things that Bill prayed, the sufferings, the death, the burial. We know about his sufferings. But I think theologically, a lot of us think about Jesus' span of time on earth kind of like an episode of Undercover Boss. Do you know Undercover Boss? It's when they take the boss of some big place like Chili's Restaurants, like the president of Chili's Restaurants, and they give him a bad wig and they make him grow a beard and they take him out of the fancy suit and they put him in blue collar worker clothes and they make him go to a Chili's and work in a Chili's, like for a few months. And he's gotta wait tables and clear the dishes and he's gotta know what it's actually like to work in a Chili's. And then at the very end of the episode, they you take off the wig and they shave him and they put him in his fancy clothes again and then he gets to meet the people that he's been working with all this time who are stunned to find out he's the president of the company. But then he does really nice things for them, like he gives them health insurance because he realizes that's a good thing. And then he, he does, you know, like pays for a vacation or does really great things for these people. But I have yet to see an episode of Undercover Boss where the boss go, says, you know, I don't really need the fancy suit and the really nice cars in the house anymore. I'm good just, you know, waiting tables at the Chili's. Jesus did not 
when he finished his time on earth. He did not ascend into heaven, take off the wig and the beard and put the fancy clothes back on and say, whew, I am so glad I am done with that. Jesus is human forever. In Philippians 2, the chapter before the one we read tonight, Paul quotes a hymn, and it says, Jesus did not consider equality with God as something to be exploited. He did not consider equality with God as something to be like, whew, you know, I'm just going to do this little human thing for a little bit and go slumming, but then I'm going back up. He did not consider equality with God as something to be exploited, but he emptied himself, taking on the form of a human, becoming human in flesh, holy forever. The sacrifice that Jesus made was that he will be human forever. When he ascended into heaven, we do not know where he went. But he's somewhere, human. Think about that. His divinity is everywhere, present at all times and in all places. His humanity, like our humanity, is contained in a place. Now the resurrected body, we already know, has some pretty cool features compared to the non-resurrected body because he was able to like, walk through walls and stuff after he resurrected, but he could also still eat, which I think is very important to note. <laughs> so the resurrected body has new features, but it's still a body. Here is the theological question of the night. Who is giving Jesus haircuts? <laughs> Does the resurrected body still need haircuts? The sacrifice that he made for us is that he still has to get haircuts, people. He is still human. Because the only way the gap would be filled, the reconciliation would happen, would take an incredible sacrifice that the God, Lord of heaven and earth, who spun the galaxies into place, God the Son stepped forward and he said, I'll, I'll go. I'll do it. I'll become one of them. Because I love them. And none of them is able to do this on their own. They, they need me. Oh, how they need me. I'll go. I'll give myself for them. And Jesus, in the work of redemption, he says to every single one of us, because of me, you're good enough. Not because of you, not because of your GPA or your holiness or sitting here at loft or never getting drunk. Or, no, 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 no. Jesus says, because of me, you're good enough. Because of me, this relationship gets restored. Because of me, you're good enough. Good people don't go to heaven. People who try really hard don't go to heaven. People who are good enough don't go to heaven. Sinners who are saved by the grace of God 
exhibited in the shed blood and the resurrection of Jesus Christ, who are empowered by the Holy Spirit, sinners go to heaven. Like me. Sinners like me. I get to go to heaven. Not because I'm the chaplain of Calvin College, because that is not good enough. I get to be united in relationship with God because of Jesus. That's it. Jesus does that for me. He does that for you. And God says to us tonight, to paraphrase Phil Yancey, a great writer, God says, there's nothing you can do that's going to make me love you more than I do right now. And there's nothing you can do that's going to make me love you any less than I do right now. Because I'm God. And that's what I do. And because it's sinners like us who get to go to heaven, this also means that we don't have to hide our sin anymore. Sin is your ticket in. So if you've been dealing with something in your life and you have felt so ashamed that you need to hide the fact that when you start drinking, you can't stop. Or you need to hide the fact that you're on a leadership body and you're addicted to porn. Or you felt you needed to hide the fact that everyone thinks you're a really good student and you are just barely squeaking by. Whatever it is that you feel you have to hide because we won't think you're good enough. In Jesus, none of us are good enough, so join the club. Speak your sin out loud. Speak it first to God, who, by the way, already knows it. And then pray for someone to come into your life that you can also speak it out loud to who's going to love you and extend grace to you and say, ah, oh, welcome to the club. Do you know about my Jesus? Do you know about my Jesus? Do you know about my Jesus? Because none of us are good enough. That's the whole point of the gospel. You're not good enough. God loves you anyway. We have all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, writes Paul. And while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. While you are still a sinner, Christ died for you. That's redemption. That's That's our God. Will you pray with me? God, we give you all praise and thanks. We are just amazed by your kindness that sent Adam and Eve out. by the kindness and mercy of Jesus Christ. The word who became flesh and dwelt among us full of grace and truth. 
the one who knows what it's like to laugh and to eat and to sleep and to play and to weep and to be angry and to be betrayed because he's human. Thank you, Jesus, for emptying yourself and becoming like us so that we can become more and more like you. Thank you for your grace, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Grace unmeasured. Grace that is vast. Grace that is free, given to us. Thank you for this good news that it's not up to us and it's not about us. And there's nothing we can do to make you love us anymore. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Amen.